Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Yeah, so I had a couple of challenges uh, this this week, and uh, it's like every time I went to go and prepare my message, something would just kind of pop up and... You know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And so uh, I, I, you know, half did some, uh, my message. And then uh, yesterday was a very busy day. We had a men's breakfast yesterday, which was unbelievable. If you didn't make it to it, hey, we're going to do it again next month. So you can come along to that. But we had a great morning and uh, I had like basketball games and then this wedding that I went to yesterday. And I thought, you know what, I've got to come back and I just finish it off, everything off tomorrow night. So you know the wedding was still going, and and we had to we had to split uh, before it was over. We had to we had to split, just like Ari Chesterman's pants split last night at the wedding. But I was specifically asked to mention that this morning, and I worked that in the best way I imagine possible. So so that's okay. Think of Ari, and uh, and so uh, I left early. I got home, and, and uh, my computer. Do you, do you ever know like when it decides that it's going to do like an upgrade? All right, so it starts upgrading and I had the rainbow wheel of death, if you know what I'm talking about. All right, well, I was staring at that rainbow wheel of death for quite a long time. So about 11 o'clock, I said, you know what, this is it. I'm going to go to bed. I'll wake up. Everything will have updated in the morning and I'm good to go. So I got up. Uh, my alarm went off 5.30 this morning. I got up. I went out to my computer. Unfortunately for me, the battery died halfway through the upgrade and it took hours to upgrade. So I sat down at 5.30 and I turned it on, rainbow wheel of death again, and uh, there it was was to greet me in the morning and then at about eight o'clock this morning everything fixed itself praise the Lord it's good to be in church and thank you Jesus for dying for my sins and all the rest of it there's plenty of reasons to celebrate but my computer breaking down is not one of them so I kind of you know I don't know if you ever felt like this but you ever felt like a situation suddenly demanded you to step into it you've got to lead something or do something and you have that thought well, I don't feel like I'm completely uh, prepared for this. And I had another competing thought that said, you know what? Here's the thing about preparation. When you're called and graced and gifted by God to do something, you've been preparing for it your whole life. All the little bits and pieces that are in your life that you wonder why that happened to you and why did that situation unfold in your life, they add up to your calling. I kind of think like God puts stuff in our lives. So in a moment where God requires something of us, He's already prepared us to do it. And I kind of want to talk about that this morning, I want to talk about learning to understand who you are. I want to talk about being yourself. And I really wanted to uh, speak about the church. And the thing about the church is, is that it doesn't exist somewhere outside of you. You know, it is you because you are the church. Actually, the word church, um, when you look at it, it means God's community of both heaven and earth. I bet some of you didn't even realize this. Did you know that God's church includes the angels? Kind of sounds a little bit crazy, doesn't it? But God's church, it's His eclectic community. It's His called out people. It's His chosen people. And so like we are the church. I wanted to speak about the church because it involves you. And uh, because of how everything went today, I've got no pretty slides for you. I hope that's all right with you. So we're going to do this old school, you know, like I've like paper, y'all know paper, but I'm still using my iPad. So here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, it says, for just as the body is one and has many members, 
And all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. He says in verse 13, this is Paul the Apostle that wrote this. He says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and one body. Why don't we pray? God, we pray this morning for your word to just sink into our hearts. And even though every time we read your scripture, it's like seed that can go into our hearts. But Lord, we pray that this morning the soil would be good. We pray that this morning we would hear what you have to say to us. Lord, those that have ears, let them hear. We want to be spiritually discerning this morning. We want to hear what you say to us. We want to be led by you. And so God, I pray that in the next sort of 30 minutes, Lord, that you just speak directly to our hearts. And wherever we've come from or however we ended up being in church today, whether we invited somebody or maybe just showed up for a dedication or stopping by or never been here, Lord, I pray that we would realize that what you have to say is important for every single one of us. And Lord, it's no mistake that anyone is sitting in these seats this morning. So I pray, God, that this morning our hearts will be open and we would hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm preparing this message and my son Judah uh, knocks on the door and walks in. And he said to me, Dad, he says, how do I look? He wanted to know because he got changed. He got changed himself. And you know, like kids, sometimes, you know, you think, what were you thinking, mate? That just doesn't work. That doesn't go together. But so he comes out in his uh, clothes and he said, how do I look? And I said to him, compared to what? Like, do you mean like if I was to compare you to a pot plant, I said, you look incredible, you know? And he says, no, like, do I look okay? I said, compared to what? He said, well, you know, compared to other people. I said, mate, you look terrific. He said, oh, thanks, Dad. You know, he wanted to know how he looked. And then, that's funny, I thought, oh, kids, you know, concerned about how they look. And then I had to get dressed for a wedding. I walked into Sarah and I said, how do I look? <laughs> and she didn't compare me to a pot plant. She says, you look good. I said, great, let's go then. I'm ready to go, you know. It's so natural to compare yourself, isn't it? To compare yourself to someone else or something else or some kind of standard. It's so natural to compare yourself. And you know, as a kid, it's so easy to, to do that all the time. As a kid, I would compare myself. I used to play basketball. So what do you do? You compare yourself to the other players on the team. You know, when somebody uh, comes and they've got new shoes. I remember days at school, some of my friends would have new shoes. I'd look at their shoes. And I look at my shoes, and there's a newer, and I just sort of compared it, you know. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's kind of natural. And it's like kids, you prepare, you, you, you compare all the time. You know, I've discovered that actually you never really grow out of that. 
So even when you're an adult, you still naturally just compare yourself to other people. Maybe compare what you're wearing. Maybe just compare about how you handle situations and circumstances. And you compare it because you're sort of looking at the way that other people do stuff. And I've discovered something that, that when you begin to compare other people to yourself, when you see something in, in them that you like, it's kind of natural to try to do what they're doing and behave like they're behaving and maybe, you know, just wear whatever they wear. And it's kind of natural to sort of go after that. I've learned something over so many years. If you try to be someone else, you're going to fail so bad because they're already taken. Like they're already a person that exists. And since they are so good at being them, if you try to be them, you'll never, ever do it. And if you do, you're a little weird. Maybe stalkerish, I don't know. But it's like, you know, it's weird to continue to try to live this life where you act and behave like someone else. And so we're reading this scripture today, uh, this scripture from the Apostle Paul. And just so you know, let me give you the, the background to the scripture that I read to you this morning. In the wake of the, uh, the, the church and the, and the coming of the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. And, you know, maybe this is your first time in church and you don't really understand this stuff. But to be honest, sometimes people just have these spiritual gifts. You know, it's like sometimes people get prayed for and they get healed. Sometimes somebody will get a word of knowledge. It's like God speaks to them and then they say something on behalf of God. And so the, the, the world hadn't really experienced this in the same way, certainly not outside of Judaism. And so now there's this church in Corinth and, and they're like seeing these gifts begin to emerge and they're like, wow, like look at this stuff that people are doing. And so Paul writes to them about these spiritual gifts and they started to do this thing where they started to compare their gifts to one another. They started to compare who was doing what and what kind of spiritual gifts that they had. And, and, and out of that comparison, you know, they started to list, you know, the ones that they felt were really important. And so Paul says, guys, I don't want you to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts. I, I, I want to teach you something about these spiritual gifts. And so he writes this chapter that we're reading right now, chapter 12. Let me go ahead and say something to you. There are no winners in the comparison game. There are no winners in the comparison game. And every single person who's sitting in a seat today knows what it's like to compare themselves to someone else. It's so easy. You know, like you, you, you're growing up and then, you know, you, you, you know you, you, or, or even like you, you got a new job and you get a new car. And then, you know, where does that put you in terms of class and status, you know? Someone gets a new car, is, is that how you would sort of define yourself or a larger home? Or It's kind of so strange the way that people would classify themselves and the way that people would sort of measure their own value. But the way that we, because we measure value, we always do it because we're comparing ourselves to other people. There's no comparison without somebody else to compare yourself to. And so this is one of the things that I understand about comparison is that comparison leads to class. Comparison leads to class. Let me, let me rephrase that. It can lead to either ascribe value or devalue someone or something. I had some friends of mine and they were at a church and uh, coincidentally, they, they kind of left that church because one of the things that they did at this church is that somebody stood up and they said, there is, they said, everybody, I want you to stand up. And so everyone stood up and they said, right, I can see an angel right now. Everyone's like, that's good. 
And they said, well, you sit down when you see it too. So like, everyone's kind of like looking at, do you see this thing? It's like, you know, like, what do you do? And slowly, one by one, yeah, you bet everyone sat down. But I reckon that most of those people saw no angel. But something happened in that moment. And I'm going to go ahead and call it spiritual elitism. And it happens where somebody sees themselves as higher and more mighty and more spiritual or, or, you know, greater discernment than measuring the gifts. I can see things in the spirit realm that you can't see. I'm important and a big deal around here. You know, one by one, everyone sat down and they started doing this stuff. And you know what was really happening? So they were creating classes of people. The spiritual elite and the people, the average people, the ones that sort of just couldn't see what all the other people were seeing. Man, I'm telling you, we may be different. We may be spiritually different in, in, in various ways. But I tell you something right now, we have so much in common. We have so much in common that it's crazy and it's foolish to begin to segregate and classify and draw lines between the spiritual elite and the people that are not. There is so much that brings us together. See, when I read verse 12, it says here, For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members are of one body, though many are one body. And you kind of think that the Scripture is going to say, so it is with the church. So it is with the church, but it doesn't say that. It says we are sort of one body as we are one physical, as I have one physical body, so it is with the church. It doesn't say that. It says as we are one physical body, so we are with Christ. And then what does that really mean? Well, Christ manifests himself to the world through his people, the church. I'm telling you something right now. The cross is the great leveler of humanity. There's no one in this room that needs grace any less than me or any more than me. The great leveler of the human race is that we're all saved by grace through faith in Christ. And so when you come to church and you're sitting here and maybe you sort of fell into that space where you started to rank other people against you. Maybe you're a guest here today and you're like, these are all the spiritual people or maybe the people that, you know, they're all the good people. You know, people do that with church all the time. Oh, this a church is a place for good people. Uh, uh, uh. Church is a place for people and every single person needs the grace of God to be at work in their life. Furthermore, when it comes to spiritual gifts, can I add to you that the gifts are distributed and given by the same Spirit and they're given by the grace of God. So how crazy would it be for us to begin to measure each other, the spiritual elite against the spiritual or unspiritual people based on the gifts that begin to manifest themselves in our life? No, no, no. We're all saved by grace through faith in Christ and the Spirit distributes the gifts to His body, which which is you and which is me, and He does it however He wills. Now, this is a little bit crazy, isn't it? When people start to get tall poppy syndrome based on what God's given to them, you didn't earn it. It was grace that gave it to you. So who's better in this room? Not me. Not me. Because I'm saved by grace just like everyone else. 
And not only really, most of you would know that anyway, but you know, like when you, if you don't get around church very often, and you see the guy that seems to lead things, you think that there's something special. I'm not. There's nothing special here. Some of you already know that. Sarah regularly reminds me of it. You know, it's like, there's nothing special here. I'm, I'm a person like everyone else. God's given me some things, but you know what? God's given you some things too. God's given you some things. And this is what I have, I have by His grace. Whatever you've got, you've got by your grace. But it would be so crazy for us to begin to compare each other because there's some things that you guys are going to do that's so much better than what I can do. In fact, I really don't have a lot of skills. You know, I, I mean, I pretty much talk to people, you know. And drinking coffee isn't even a skill, you know. So, you know, I don't even know if we could include that. I didn't have that much. Man, some of you guys, you've got amazing skills, amazing talents, amazing abilities. You were, you, you, if you start to go to a church that starts to do this, to classify and segregate people, the spiritual elite from the unspiritual, you know, it, it creates this weird environment. You know, Paul the Apostle, he goes on after the chapter that we just read and he writes chapter 13. Who knows what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is about? Oh, come on. If you've ever been to a wedding, you'll know what it's all about. It's the love chapter. It's all about love. And so this is what Paul says. He says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's gifts and there's all that stuff, right? He says, apart from that, I'll show you a more excellent way. I'll show you a more excellent way. He says in verse 13, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, that's impressive. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries, you know everything. Oh my gosh, what an impressive human being. You know everything. You have all faith. You can remove mountains. I did that this morning. You should have seen it. It was amazing. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing if I don't even have love. If I give away all that I have, which I do regularly because I'm so generous and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I've gained nothing. He goes on to say what love is all about. It's patient, it's kind. You probably know the rest. Now I used to read that scripture and I thought I knew what it was about. A noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. I kind of thought, well, if you were the kind of person that was a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal, you're just this annoying person that makes noise. And we kind of let you be in the room, but we don't like it. And so I thought, you know, if you're that, I mean, really, if, if you're that kind of person where you see yourself as the spiritual elite, you're amazing. You've got prophetic powers. I moved to mountain this morning. It was incredible. You should have been there. Oh, I am so gifted, right? If you say that, but you don't even love people, man, you're nothing. And I thought that that scripture was all about just being a person that made, we're gifted, but you just made noise. We just kind of let you be around, hang around, you know. But actually, the scripture that this was written to was, uh, there was the Corinthians, and in Corinth, they were a culture that was entrenched in the arts, and they loved plays, and they would do like musicals and all the rest of it. You know what happens at the end of a musical? When, you're there, when the act is over, they grab this you know, big sort of mallet-looking thing, and they hit the cymbal, bang, and the cymbal rings out, makes this big noise. And that's how everybody knows the act is over. And what Paul is really saying is if you do community where you're all about the spiritual elite and gifts and talents and abilities and amazing stuff, right? But you don't love or you don't know what it is to love another person or to do life with people the way the church should really be done. Your community, your church, it's an act 
and the act will be over when the service finishes today. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Church will finish at 11.30. It begins next week, but that's not church. Church is not an act where we hit it and we say the end of the scene is over. It's got to be something that transcends that. And so when you begin to compare yourself and your gifts, right, you're just and creating different classes of people, it starts to devalue some, maybe elevate others. Man, that ain't church. That ain't church. And that's not the church that I want to be a part of. Man, I, the thing about this is, is the church is not about bells and whistles. It's about the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. This, today, this morning, like everything, the power had failed and we had all kinds of problems. But man, if our church really rests on the ability to turn a light on, I kind of think like we've lost a point. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I like lights and it's good to be able to see what I'm reading and stuff. But if the church hinges on that, Wow, I kind of feel like we've missed it, guys. Kind of feel like the church should be more about the Spirit of God hovering over His people. Kind of feel like the Spirit of God should be at work in the lives of others. I kind of feel like life transformation is more important than, than colorful lights right now. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love that stuff. I think it's great. I just think that that's not what church is. I think church has got to be something that's more than that. And at the foundation of a community, of a church, that understands that we don't compare ourselves to segregate some people and elevate others. A church that does that is a church with its foundation on love. And I'll tell you why I'm saying all of this, because your environment reveals your destiny. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but your environment reveals your destiny because you're no longer comparing your identity. You're no longer comparing your talents. You're no longer comparing your skills. And in an environment like that, Man, it just squashes people. They don't get to find out who they've really created, been created to be. You got to know it's a mistake to wish to be someone else. It's a mistake to wish to be someone else because you'll be missing what you were created for. Man, you're a bad copy, but you make a great original. You are a bad copy, but you are a great original. So can you be yourself because the church really needs you? So you be yourself. Don't be anyone else. Apparently they're taken. So just be who God's created you to be. Okay, so my first point, comparison leads to class. Second point, comparison leads to evaluation. That's essentially what comparison is, isn't it? It's the evaluation. Listen to this. In 1954, I think it was, in 1954, there was a social psychologist, Leon Festinger, and he had this theory, and this is how it works, the social comparison theory. There's a drive within individuals to, to gain accurate self-evaluation. The theory explains how individuals evaluate their own opinions and abilities by comparing themselves to others in order to reduce uncertainty in these domains and to learn how to define themselves. That is true. That has been true my whole life. My whole life, when I was a kid growing up, I saw this at work in the schoolyard. When I was working in my recruitment, I saw that at work. Everyone's comparing themselves to someone. Everyone's trying to measure themselves. Everyone's trying to evaluate. And what's the point of evaluation? To find the value. 
That's why you evaluate so you can find the value. Isn't it kind of crazy when people begin to measure their own value by comparing themselves to someone else? Man, can I just let you know from the outset, that is such a bad idea. If you begin to set up your life by comparing yourself to other people and you think that you're going to find your value in that, wow, you're going to set yourself up for, for, for a fail. I don't, you know, when it, when it comes to evaluation or how you see yourself, right, I don't even really know where the win is. I don't know where the win is. Because at the end of it, you either see yourself as better or worse. I don't know which, I don't know which one is worse. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm better than that person. I'm worse than that person. I just, I just don't know where the win is. It doesn't make sense to me that we should be evaluating people all the time. I tell you, this is how I evaluated myself. I, I had to play golf one day with a bunch of guys from work. And so we show up and I, the amazing thing is, is that we were playing as a team and uh, we all showed up together at the same time. So uh, they opened their boots and I opened mine and we all pull our clubs out at the same time. My clubs are donated to me by, by my grandfather and probably made in like 1915 or something like that. And they pulled out these brand new set of golf clubs. Like you should have seen their buggies and their carts and it was amazing. And as I pulled out my clubs and I looked at their clubs, one thought went through my mind and it's like, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Look at what they have. Look at what I have. I don't belong with these people. They're great. I'm not. Look what they have. Look what I don't. I don't belong here. I never want church to feel like that. I never want church to feel like that. Don't look at what other people have and think, I don't belong here. You belong here because you're created by God. You belong here because in this place, people find hope because we pe- preach about the grace and, 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 and the gospel message was that we all are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Don't measure yourself against anyone else. Don't begin to evaluate to find where you fit. You fit where you fit. Who cares? Can I tell you what would happen to an environment where there's none of that evaluation and people don't sort of measure themselves. This is kind of how I feel like church should be. The mature mentor the immature. The elders instruct the younger. The rich share with the poor. Those who have gifts equip those for acts of service. The powerful defend the powerless. The strong bear the failings of the weak. Because it's meant to be about doing the whole thing together. So can't just feel like we'd be just better off doing this whole thing together and forget the evaluation and forget what they've got and forget what you've got. God made you on purpose, no mistakes. Man, be who you were designed to be. Be who you were created to be. Let me tell you my last point. Comparison leads to insecurity. You probably already know that. Comparison leads to insecurity. You know what insecurity is? It's about attaching value to the wrong thing. You'd be so surprised about what people attach their value to. I've met people that attach their value to their bank account. I have. I know that sounds cliche, but that's just because you sit in church. But you go sit outside with other people. In my old workplace, man, people did this all the time. Cars, girlfriends, boyfriends, money, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm suggesting to you that the world is full of stuff that you should not attach your value to. And it would be such a mistake to measure your worth by attaching your value to the wrong thing. It just doesn't make sense. When you attach your value to the wrong thing, it shuts down spiritual doors in your life because you no longer entertain the possibilities about what God could do because you see yourself as inferior. So you don't dream anymore. 
You don't think about what your life could do. You're in the rut. You're in the rat race. You're, in the, you're on one track. You don't even think about getting off it because you don't have that much. And it shuts that stuff down in your life. It doesn't just shut down spiritual doors. It shuts down opportunities. Your expectation of yourself is so low. Comparing yourself to others lowers your self-esteem and sense of self-worth. And I have done this classic. I have done this, you know, like when our church, when we lost our building, every now and then I'd stop and I'd think, I wonder how Pastor X would handle this. Am I doing a good job? I wonder how they're doing. I'll compare myself to other people. That never ended anywhere good for me. It never ended anywhere good. It wasn't helpful. So I just step back out of that and say, ah, to heck with the rest of that. I'm just going to do what God's called me to do and I don't care about the rest. I'm going to trust in Him. I'm going to be myself. I can't imagine how it's helpful to compare yourself to anyone. I don't know where the win is. I don't know where you arrive at a place you go, this was such a good exercise for me today. I feel better than that person, but I'm not as good as them. There's no win. Come on, don't compare yourself to other people. It doesn't help. And what Paul is saying, that whole scripture that we read, what Paul is saying is that he's saying, it is a crazy idea for the foot to say, I wish I were an arm. He says, that's crazy because you've been created for a different purpose. The foot does one job, the hand does another. He says, as crazy as it would be, and you think that's pretty crazy. If your foot starts talking to your arm, let us know. Um, but, but he says, as crazy as it would be for your foot to say, I wish I were an arm. That's how crazy it is for you to say, I wish I was someone else. I wish I were like them. I wish I was like her. I wish I was like him. It just doesn't make sense. Paul says it's crazy. And here's my point. You were made for a different purpose. You were made for a different purpose. So don't compare yourself to other people. Here's what you got to do. Go to God to find your purpose because only your designer knows what you were created for. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because He made you. He shaped you. He fashioned you. He planned you. He created you. Before you were on the earth, He knew you were born. You were made for purpose, designed on purpose, created on purpose. Don't go ahead and try to ruin God's plans for your life by being someone else. You were meant to be you. So can you be secure in who you've been created to be? Find your identity in Jesus. Stop measuring yourself. Don't try to find which class of people you belong to. Are you part of the cool group? Does it matter? Are you, are you part of the geeky group? I don't know. It's like even in workplaces, they have that. Does it matter? How does it affect your value? How does it affect your sense of self-worth? Where's the win for you? Who cares? You were created for good works in Christ Jesus. You were created and designed by Him on purpose, for purpose. You're a bad copy, but a great original. So be yourself. You know why? Because man, we need you. This church, we need you. We need your talents. We need your gifts. We need your abilities. We need you to use what God's given you and use it and bring it into this space. The thing about value is this. When it comes to value, and I, I had this friend of mine in, in primary school. He used to collect basketball cards. And he would come to me and he would show me this basketball card. And he'd say, hey, you see this? 
And it, I don't know, I'm like, yeah, cool, cool card. He'd say, yeah, do you know how much this is worth? It's like a $500 card. I said, really? Who's going to pay that? <laughs> Who's going to pay that? Because something's only worth anything if someone's prepared to pay for it, right? Who cares what overinflated price the real estate agent gave your house? If no one's paying it, you're no better off, right? Something is only worth whatever someone's prepared to pay for it. And that's why I love the gospel. Because Jesus paid for you with His own life. And that should tell you something about you. He paid for you with His life. He gave up His life so you could be free. So you could walk being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the gifts of the Spirit could be manifested in your life. You want to work out your value? Remember, God died for you. So when you're trying to measure your self-worth, throw out the class. Throw out which group of people you belong to. And I don't care where you feel you sit in your workplace, whether you're part of the cool group or the Greek geeky group, it doesn't really matter because you know what? Christ died for you. And all your value should be found in that one spot. Is that cool? Come on, let's stand together this morning. yourself to others and when you're trying to find why God made you and how He created you and why He created you you can head off track to a whole bunch of different worlds trying to be like them or trying to talk like that guy or act like that person dress like that person man just be you we trust you enjoyed this week's message For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.